Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is the Anesthesia Learn on the Go podcast series from the University of Kentucky Department of Anesthesiology. In these episodes, we will provide a high-yield clinical review of some of the common topics encountered by anesthesiologists at all levels. The following episode will be recorded by a member of our department at UK. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at UK Anesthesia and subscribe to the University of Kentucky Department of Anesthesiology YouTube channel for our video cast. Now fire up your headphones, relax, and let's talk anesthesia. My name is Matt Firestone. I'm one of the anesthesiology residents at UK. I'm one of the fourth years. And I'm going to talk a little bit about CIEDs and the special considerations that you should have for them. Uh, in the pre-op area and the perioperative area, uh, and if you should use a magnet or not, or you should get it reprogrammed, and just kind of go over a little bit of the thought process and what goes into decision making. So first we'll do a brief overview. A cardiac implantable electronic device is a CIED. Now this is an umbrella term and encompasses both pacemakers and AICDs. So an AICD is an automatic implantable cardioverter defibrillator. We'll talk a little bit about the different indications for a patient having these, both pacemakers and AICDs. Uh, Pacemakers put in for bradyarrhythmias. And so this is going to be SA node dysfunction and AV block. Most are going to be dual chamber pacemakers where one lead is in the right ventricle and one lead is in the right atrium. And these are typically placed through the subclavian. Sometimes you can have a biventricular CRT. This is called CRT, cardiac resynchronization therapy. And you can have then a lead in the right ventricle, a lead in the right atrium, and then also the coronary sinus. And these are usually placed, uh, there's certain criteria you have to meet, but typically it's patients with severe heart failure. Now, in terms of an AICD, they're placed for both primary and secondary prevention. So primary prevention is a patient who has a really bad heart failure and is at risk for developing VFib or VTAC. And so they would be placed for that um, safety kind of backup if the patient were to go into VFib or VTAC and then Secondary prevention is if the patient already had VFib or VTAC. Uh, They can also be placed for that reason. Now, all ICDs are going to be pacemakers, but not all pacemakers will be ICDs. And the way ICD works is if it detects some type of ventricular tachydysrhythmia, then it can do anti-tachycardic pacing or it can deliver a shock. So we'll talk just a second here about how pacemakers work. This is an overview, and this can be a little bit confusing, and so sometimes you have to go over it a few times. But essentially, there's codes. uh, There's a five-letter code that determines how this pacemaker works. It tells you how it works. We're going to focus on three. Uh, These are the most important. The three codes we'll focus on is the chamber paste, which chamber is sensed, and then because something is sensed, you need a response to that sensing. And so the first thing we'll talk about is chamber being paced. So you can either paste the atria, the ventricle, or you can paste 
both. Additionally, you will then sense uh, the atria, ventricle, or both. Now, both is going to be the letter D, on, on meaning that both the atria and ventricle are paced and sensed, and A will be for atria and V for B for ventricle. Now, when something is sensed, you need a response to that sensing. So the options here are O for none, meaning there will be no sensing, T for triggered, I for inhibited, or D, triggered and inhibited, which is going to be the most common thing. Now, the most common scenario you'll see is going to be D, D, D. So both the ventricle and atrial will be sensed, both the ventricle and atrial will be paced, and then there'll be uh, dual sensing to this, either triggered or inhibited. So the way that pacemakers work is, is they essentially sense uh, an intrinsic electrical activity in the heart and if it senses that and it feels it's normal based off of a wide variety of parameters then it will inhibit the pacing. If it does not sense uh, beats in the heart then it will pace. That's, that's a very brief overview of it. Now the most common thing you'll see is DDD and so this is a, going to be a dual chamber, uh, so it's going to be both atrial and ventricle, both pacing and sensing. And this mode will allow both native conduction through the AV uh, in order to both sense and pace both the atrial and ventricle. So for example, uh, there's an atrial event uh, and the the pacemaker then will sense this, it will not pace the atria, and it will allow a certain amount of time, there's an AV timer, it will allow a certain amount of time to, for the heart to have native conduction to the ventricle. If that timer expires, then it will give a ventricle beat, and so you'll be also ventricularly paced. But if it senses the ventricle, then it will inhibit the pacing of the ventricle. And this can work both atrial and ventricle. So I know that's it's somewhat confusing uh, and it, it takes a little bit of time to go through it uh, a few times, honestly, before you, before you uh, can understand it uh, very clearly. But once you do, it's, it's not too bad. From there, we will go on to what to do and the considerations you have uh, when placing magnets and kind of just the, the overview of how you approach a patient with either of these devices. So first of all, what do magnets do? They don't do the exact same thing to every single pacemaker in AICD, so you do need to consult the manufacturer, but in general, what they do is for pacemakers, they will convert the pacing mode to an asynchronous mode. So it will convert from DDD to DOO. So it will just pace the atrial and ventricle and it doesn't care about sensing. The risk for this is that you can have something called R on T phenomenon where the, if the patient is not pacemaker dependent and they actually have their own rhythm, then the pacemaker will, can fire on a, the T wave and cause some type of ventricular tachycardia or uh, dysrhythmia. Now, for an AICD, what magnets do is typically turn off the anti-tachycardic pacing and shocks, 
but they don't do anything to the pacemaker function. And so when you see a patient and you think that they have a CIED, the first thing you want to do is, is determine whether it's a pacemaker or an AICD. And so you can look at a chest X-ray. Uh, AICD is typically going to be larger due to the battery and the leads are going to be thicker. And the reason for this is they're coiled uh, for the ability to deliver a shock. You want to know why it was placed. Uh, you want to know the manufacturer if possible. Uh, the patients oftentimes come with ID cards. You can look and see if there's a recent interrogation report. You want to know what the response is to the magnet. And you want to know if it's functioning properly, uh, battery's okay. And then additionally, is the patient going to be pacemaker dependent? Or has there been shocks if it's uh, an ICD? The next kind of just broad overview of, the, of uh, when you're looking at this is you're going to want to know is there going to be electromagnetic interference. And so this is most commonly for us going to be the BOVI, monopolar electrosurgery. Uh, there's also other things that can cause electromagnetic interference, lithotripsy, ECT, radiofrequency ablations, MRI. And so you're going to want to take into account this as well as where the location of the surgery is. And then the other thing is you have to remember is once you're in the, the post-op area in the PACU, what are you going to do? You're going to reprogram the device. You're going to have it reinterrogated, make sure it's functioning properly. So all this is kind of just general overview questions you should be uh, asking yourself. And throughout all this, you want to communicate with the uh, CIED team and the rep uh, to make sure that you guys can develop a good plan of care and get their recommendations. You want to have temporary pacing, defib equipment, and magnets all readily available for anyone who has a CIED. So now we'll talk a little bit about some different scenarios for both pacemakers and AICDs and what you want to do and what you want to think about for each one. So the first thing we'll talk about is if the patient has a pacemaker only and they are pacemaker dependent. So pacemaker dependent, and then you have to ask yourself, is the surgery going to be with electromagnetic interference above the umbilicus? And the concern here is that you're going to have oversensing from the electromagnetic interference, and then the pacemaker is going to sense that electromagnetic interference as native conduction and not pace. And if a patient is pacemaker dependent, this can obviously cause problems and the patient can be asystolic without pacing. So patient with pacemaker, it's pacemaker dependent and surgery with electromagnetic interference above the umbilicus. You have two options. You can place a magnet, convert it to asynchronous mode, or you can have a rep reprogram it to an asynchronous mode. The other option is patient's pacemaker dependent, surgery below the umbilicus with electromagnetic interference. You want a magnet in the room, but typically you don't need to do anything for these patients. If, they were to, if you were to run into problems, you can tell the surgeon to do short bursts to try to minimize the interference, or you can put a magnet over it to convert to asynchronous mode. The next scenario is you have a pacemaker only. The patient is not pacemaker dependent. You'd like to have a magnet in the room, but you really don't need to do anything for these patients. 
The next scenario we'll talk about is AICDs. So your patient has an AICD. The surgery is above the umbilicus, and the patient patient is pacemaker dependent. So AICD, surgery above the umbilicus with electromagnetic interference, and the patient is pacemaker dependent. In this scenario, you want to have communication with the rep, and the likely thing that will happen is you will reprogram the anti-tachycardic therapy and shock therapy to temporarily be suspended and convert the pacemaker function into an asynchronous mode. It's important to remember that with the anti-tachycardic therapy and shock therapy suspended, you want to be able to deliver defibrillation and shocks to the patient. And so you have to have pads on the patient and you need to be connected to a defib device throughout the surgery. Now, the next scenario is AICD, surgery above the umbilicus, and the patient is not pacemaker dependent. So in this scenario, you you do have a couple options because the patient is not pacemaker dependent. One, you can have the rep turn off or reprogram the anti-tachycardic therapy and shock therapy to be suspended, or you can place a magnet uh, and it will typically accomplish the same thing. Now, you want to have a couple considerations here. You want the magnet uh, to be readily accessible during the operation, and certain patients might not be uh, the best candidates for placing a magnet, such as very obese patients or patients that are going to require uh, surgery where they're going to have to be prone or in the lateral decubitus position where you're just not confident that you'll be able to troubleshoot or get to the magnet during the case if needed. So in this case, it might be better to have the rep reprogram uh, the anti-tachycardic therapy and shock therapy to be suspended. You're going to want to have pads on and connected to defib device throughout these surgeries. And then one consideration that can come up is, let's say you have a magnet on the patient and they develop uh, ventricular tachydysrhythmia such as VFib, and we want to know what to do. Well, you can remove the magnet, and when you remove the magnet, it will take about three to four seconds for the, for the ICD to detect the VFib, and then it's going to be about another five to ten seconds before the ICD will charge and deliver a shock. So it's not, if you remove that magnet, it's not going to be an instantaneous shock. It's going to be faster for you if you have pads on the patient to administer it yourself. The next scenario, and this is really the last scenario that we'll cover in this podcast, is if you have an AICD and the surgery is going to be below the umbilicus. And the Heart Rhythm Society and the ASA have expert consensus statements on this. And summarizing what it says is, is that you don't need to do anything in terms of the pacemaker ICD and that the risk for pacing inhibition and false tachydysrhythmias uh, detecting are going to be so low for these surgical procedures that you don't have to reprogram, you don't have to place a magnet, and this is regardless if it's a pacemaker ICD, and it's also regardless whether the patient is pacemaker dependent or not. One thing to note, however, is you do want to be cautious of where the bovipad 
is going to be placed. And so, for example, if the surgery is going to be on the left knee and the bovi pad will be on the right thigh, then it is possible uh, that there would be current that could come up around the left leg, uh, over across the umbilicus, and down the right leg onto the bovi pad. And in shorter individuals, this could interfere uh, with the device. And there are some case reports out there of inappropriate shocks being delivered uh, with this exact scenario. And so the key take home there is that you, you want to make sure you know where the bovi pad is placed if they're going to be operating on the lower extremities. So that concludes my talk on CIEDs and I hope this was helpful and I hope everyone has a good day. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have ideas for future podcasts, please reach out to us via email at learnonthego at uky.edu. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts as well on Instagram and Twitter, UK Anesthesia. From all of us at UK Department of Anesthesiology, have a great day.